we know nothing. I think that is the take with this baseball team. Uh, and yes, if you saw my locked on now, I was hoping for the reverse jinx saying anticipating the sweep. Sweep is avoided. The White Sox who kill lefties don't get to the lefty. Cleveland, somehow the one pitcher who is even remotely frightening, they find a way to survive and win. This team, this team, I mean, it's it's just unbelievable how they go against every expectation all the time. Team Chaos gets the win. We'll get into it today. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am Jeff. Over there is Justin. We got a win to talk about. I uh, want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, and yeah, we, you know, we're going to, I'm going to do the Mets trade because people want to hear what, what my crazy idea was. We're going to talk about some mock drafts because people have been asking more about draft stuff because the team has been frustrating. We're going to get into the game, preview the Mets series. And, uh, yeah, Justin to you. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Guardians avoid the sweep. Uh, it doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense, but it's, it's fun. I guess it's baseball is one of those things. What do they say in, um, fever pitch? It's good for your soul to invest in something you can't control. Never uh, watched might be, it. Might be. Oh, my. Well, I might be having those a ring at my wedding. Just, uh, just saying. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and just to, you know, expect the unexpected. Like you said, this, it was a still a frustrating game. I mean, look, they always scored three runs. So it's not like we're going to sit here and be like, ah, the fix. They won. They beat the White Sox. They hit the ball hard. But I mean, it's amazing what happens when you play defense and you hit the ball over the wall occasionally. You know, I'm not saying they're they're power hitters now, but hey, they out homered the White Sox today. The White Sox didn't hit the ball over the wall. The Guardians did once, and the Guardians did something they didn't don't really do. I, I heard on the broadcast that today, this was the first time a Cleveland catcher has thrown out two base runners in the same game since. You want to guess the year? 1978. Okay, that's a little little hyperbole there. Uh, 2020. Roberto Perez in 2020 threw out two base dealers in the same game. It feels like that, that hasn't happened in three the years. Three years. This is a team that used to be like catcher defense is the mm. most important thing. And they well, have two base runners. And I mean, look, teams weren't running a lot on Perez at the end until he got hurt. Yeah, they didn't really run a lot on Hedges. Hedges had a hard time throwing runners out occasionally yeah. too. So say Hedges' arm was in decline last year. I think we all saw that. Yeah. But wow, like. I can't believe it's been three years. So, like I said, it's amazing what happens when you play a little defense. I mean, the, Guardi- the Guardians did have an error. Uh, Rokio did kind of – it was an error, and it's a ball Jose Ramirez would have gotten to. It was an in-between hop that kind of ate up Rokio and at third base. And I saw people on Twitter saying, oh, it'd be great if we could also, you know, make routine plays if that was not a routine play. Uh, but Jose Ramirez definitely would have had that play. Rokio doesn't play a lot of third base. And, and yes, he – he will learn to make that play at some point, but he's not a natural third baseman. Neither was Jose Ramirez, and Jose Ramirez has learned to make that play. But uh, Guardians got a hit for the first time since April 29th from a catcher. First thing, they also got an RBI from their catcher since then. Or no, they had a sack fly in between then, so there is that. Um, but Gallagher threw out two runners, and 
yeah, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say the first star of the game goes to Cam Gallagher because he cut down the run game by the White Sox and he guided Logan Allen through a tough second inning that made a big difference that things could have fallen apart right there. And he drove in the I don't know, he didn't drive in the go ahead run, but he drove in the um, the run that that got him a two run lead, which you know that's important with how little they're scoring right now. And again, not not. Results over process here. Cam Gallagher at the plate with runners on at the corners, one out. Should have should have pinch hit. Like, let's be honest here. Yeah. They should have pinch hit for him right there. They didn't. Um, he got the hit. That's great, but the process yes. is still bad. He should have been pinch hit for. Hey, right have, now, you pinch hit for a catcher. Like, right. You have Josh Taylor on the bench who was going to pinch hit Wednesday night, and maybe he wasn't fully ready to go, but they were going to pinch hit him Wednesday if the opportunity came up. I would have done it there. Although I, I think. I'm not sure who was pitching at that point. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Okay, so either that or Tyler Freeman. I would have pitched it there. Um, they got lucky, though. But, you know, Gallagher caught a whale of a game. That was important. Um, Tito called him a calming influence. So we're going to talk about Allen's second inning here. I want to play this clip uh, of Gallagher talking about getting at Logan Allen through that second inning and just um, how he really has been a calming influence by uh, for the young pitchers on this team. It's something to watch. Just as your calming influence around here, and especially with the other pitchers, uh, bases loaded, nobody out, ten pitch at bat for, for Alberto. How do you, how do you get a, a rookie through that? Yeah, I know. I, I was watching his body language. I was seeing how he's, you know, he's since he's come up here, he's been so composed. Um, you know, that's one thing. You know, with a lot of young pitchers, they come up here. Stuff starts hitting, hitting the fan, you know, their emotions kind of get the best of them and, you know, they kind of lose their control and command. But, you know, I was, I was keeping a close eye on him and, you know, he was, it was like he was cruising out there with nobody on. So I was, I was going to go out there and check on him, but, you know, he was, you know, he, he was building off his, the, the momentum and everything. And, you know, after that first out, I was like, let's go. And did a heck of a job and, you know, he kept, kept himself composed and got out of that inning without any runs. How sad is Are we advocating for more, for more Cam Gallagher, Jeff? <sighs> <laughs> Some people no. have. Here's the thing. Like, honestly, Cam Gallagher isn't good. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah, he does things well, but like defensively, they should he is be... better than Sonino this year. He is. No, I'm not debating that. But they should be looking to improve the backup catcher position. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say it again, Kevin Pulowecki has proven to be a better guy the past few years. Uh, there's ways to, this is they're not going to. Uh, it's very clear Tito really likes him and Cam Geller is good. I mean, it's one of those things whenever we talk about Bo Naylor, uh, I don't think uh, Tito has any interest in moving off of his current catcher combination. So uh, convincing, we might get to the point where David Fry gets sent down and when Bo Naylor, they feel is ready enough to be a partial contributor. Uh, we might still run three catchers. I'm just saying like, I, I, I think, no, I, I think Gallagher part. is, here to stay. Uh, I what I will say uh, is I think he should probably be a late inning defensive replacement. I agree with that. I wouldn't be opposed to going with Nino against lefties until he can kind of turn things around, but it also limits his opportunities. I don't know. That's a hard thing to do. My my theory is this, and this is what I always take away with Miles Straw too, is that when the offense is bad, which it is right now, you have to rely on run prevention to keep games close. You can't have catchers who can't throw runners out at second you can't have pass balls you can't have catchers interference you know you've got to do whatever you can for run prevention i know people are like oh you have a black hole in the lineup with straw and and whoever and cam gallagher might you know if one if those guys who are black holes in the lineup 
if they are contributing plus defense and you're just hoping that Will Brennan and Andre Semenes and Josh Bell and whoever else get things moving in the right direction, right? I, I need plus defense from, from those guys because you need to play really strong with run prevention um, in order to keep games close while you're off and give your offense a chance, give your pitchers a chance. And I will say for Logan Allen and some of us for Zanino too, is some of the pitchers just don't give Mike Zeno a chance. Like there's been stolen bases late in games. That Yankee series comes to mind where Karen Shack and class a just didn't give Zanino any chance to throw a run around at second base. They, cause they don't hold runners and they're long to the plate. Logan Allen has a great slide step. He's fast to the plate. And that gave Cam Gallagher a chance to throw two runners out. This is a two-way street. It's not just on the catchers. We've talked a lot about this lately. And we talked about, I talked a lot about it on Twitter too, with Bo Naylor's issues at AAA. It's as much on the pitchers as it is the, the catcher. Cam Gallagher had, had good chances today to throw runners out at second base. So, um, you know, kudos to, to Logan Allen for a lot of things. And maybe, maybe Gallagher, like Tito said, is a calming influence over these guys. Cause he did have a 35 pitch inning in that second inning, he hit the bases loaded with nobody out. Uh, luckily <laughs> it was the bottom of the order and, and, um, Hanser Alberto, who's playing second base for some reason for the White Sox. Thank you. Um, Pedro Grafal. Appreciate that. And, and the White Sox, uh, mismanagement. Um, I don't know who else they have, but he's bad. Although a 700 OPS would look good in Cleveland. I'm sure. Um, he, Went through a 10-pitch at bat, popped out to first base, and then Allen came back with strikeouts to Sebi Zavala and Jake Marisnik, who, for some reason, is also playing for the White Sox. It's good for them. Yeah, um, it was nice. That was, that was <laughs> nice of them to, to let Jake Marisnik play since he's... Uh, it was he's... like a hangover lineup, right? <laughs> Oof, it, it felt like it. Yeah, you had Hanser Alberto, Sebi Zavala, and uh, Jake Marisnik, 789. That is very much appreciated. Yom Makata and Gavin Sheets did pinch hit late but that was very nice so good good effort by Allen um to get through that second inning just pitch really it wasn't even his best start really I mean he he threw the ball well I thought but you know he struggled in that second inning otherwise he was really good made some very clutch pitches but good for Gallagher he gave Gallagher a chance throwing his out Gallagher got it and threw it super super important all right a couple more things on the on today's game uh Aaron Savali's rehab start uh, Jeff's Mets Guardians trade, Mets Guardians preview for the weekend, all coming up here in just a moment. All right. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace that trains you into owners with an officially licensed digital trading cards featuring players from across 30 MLB teams. I am going to open a reward for my team this week and it is marlin's first baseman garrett cooper who would look Ooh, i like that yes garrett cooper uh this season who is doing pretty you know i don't know if he's doing really good but uh that's a nice reward i'll take that um been hurt again unfortunately is he hurt well that does always happen with him yeah that was my reward this week um last week i finished with 96.25 points i had marcus stroman who had negative three alex lang who had 21 great week for him marcus Semyon 44 He's been on fire. Jared Kelnick working out strong. Good for him. Uh, Spencer Torkelson, who has been a little better late. Only three points. Brian Reynolds, 13 points. I, I had a 150 better. last week, so I got Ah, I got you would have beaten me. Well, you can open up your uh, – your, start your account at SoRare.com slash lockdown. That's S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free play cards. Set your lineup. Start competing today to win epic rewards like merch, uh, VIP experience, scarcity cards. Prizes will vary depending – 
on the competition again. That is so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today. And don't forget, uh, seven, seven ten, I think, or seven oh five on uh, Friday night. Guardians Mets, Sirius XM. Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhaus will have the call for you on Sirius XM. Okay. Um, just should mention Gabriel Arias. Great day for him. Home run and mm-hmm. double hit and a double. Our, our second hardest hit uh, ball of the game. It was second and third hardest hit ball of the game. Jake Burgers was the hardest. I think he might have been. Uh, Arias had the second hardest hit ball of the game of all players. Um, and what was his other one? The, yeah, the double was. And third, yeah. Yes. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. He hit it 14 degrees the second time and 24 degrees the second time. That little bit of launch angle matters. Not saying everybody's got to swing for the fences, but like go back to that first inning where Arias, or not Arias, um, Quan and Rosario both lined out to start the game. Their launching was were like seven to ten, and that second inning where the White Sox had it at the bases loaded, their launch, their they were getting the ball up like fifteen and sixteen and seventeen. Like that little bit makes a difference. And Arias got the ball in the air today, and guess what? Hit the ball hard, win the game. I know people were like saying, "Ah, oh, I'm done with Guy Arias. He shouldn't be playing. We need to see Tyler Freeman." I still think I still want to see his, again. I think it, I think he's a higher defensive guy. and offensive ceiling. Yes, and he has a higher defensive floor. Yes, the but only, a lower offensive lower, floor. Yeah, lower. That's the only thing. Floor. Three out of four categories, he's he's better than Freeman. Yeah, and, and again, I think I think my pr- point was proved the other night too when Freeman was batting and he ripped that that ball to third base and got a hit. He could come off the off the bench and swing the bat well because of his swing and his profile. Arias cannot do that because he's a guy who needs regular regular playing time just because of the nature of his offensive um, skill set. So. Good for him to get some regular playing time. Right, and he's I, playing over the weekend. Just so I don't get accused of being a hater as I do with, with Freeman. It's like, again, I think there's a lot of places he could be. And I think the ceiling is a Med Rosario type of player. Lots of line drives, good speed, but you know, average to below average shortstop defense. And, and it's shortstop or at second. Cause I don't think the arm translates to third long-term. I would agree with you though, too. I think he's still, a, he could still be a starter on a good team. I would put him in second base. Not short, but he yes. can be a starter on a good team. Um, and give you, you know, pretty good stuff. Aaron Savali, real quick, good rehab start in Columbus. Thirty-four pitches, ninety to ninety-two. He got seven swings and misses out of sixteen total. That's a forty-four percent riff rate. You will take that all day. A couple curveballs look really good. Cutters, sinkers. Um, so he'll make another rehab start next week, and then after that, we'll see what happens. As we said, Tristan McKenzie will make a rehab start on Saturday. We'll talk about that next week on the show. Um, I'm going to say this for the offense right now, the way things are going. And I don't want to see to me, I said this yesterday to me, sending down Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee doesn't make any sense. I know, you know, you'll say, well, they won't, you know, this will avoid super two with one of those two guys. And you got to think about the long term with them. I don't think, and I know you're not going to disagree with me on this either. I don't think sending them back to triple a helps their development in any way. I don't think there's anything left for them to prove at triple a because the, the last bit of development is, is has to happen at the major league level. Tanner Bybee can strike out any AAA fool, and Logan Allen can too. He you know he proved that he can overcame what happened to him last year in AAA. Um, this team needs all the pitching they can get. Bybee and Allen are currently two of the five best starters this team has on the forty man roster right now. They need to be up. You can't send them down. And I agree with Savali and McKenzie coming back. Peyton Batten people will go down, but with the way this offense is. And you can limit Bybee and Allen's innings. 
you can maybe keep Aaron Savali healthy by not pitching him every fifth day, even though he'll probably get hurt eventually anyway, no matter what you do. Um, and, and it doesn't make sense to me to send Bobby and Allen down because they are not going to benefit from it. Um, other than the Guardians gaining financially from it. Six-man rotation. I would like to see a six-man rotation. Limit Biden Allen's innings. Keep them a little fresher. You'll Maybe, hopefully, you'll keep Savali healthier. You might even keep McKenzie healthier because, you know, you never know what's going to happen with him sometimes. And, uh, yeah, you, there's no benefit on him and Bybee being So I'm 100% against it. The offense uh, oh. you can get. So I'm 100% against it. And my main reason for this is changing expected rotations, expected schedules when you have guys with injury histories and having their bodies go through a different break period is actually more likely to lead to further injury. You might think more rest is better, but for bodies, typically it's the routine they're used to. So I think going to a six-man could actually lead to more injury situations for pitchers because you're asking them to do something they're not as used to doing. So for me, it's more about that. I think you want to keep with what guys, and then it also like pitchers are some of the most superstitious, uh, routine driven individuals I've ever met in my life. And I don't want to mess with the routine. Like if they're used to that five man rotation, when you go to six and you have off days, that extra rest sometimes seems like a good idea, but just can sometimes end up messing with heads and doing things. So for me, when you have guys, you know, McKenzie coming back from injury, Savali coming back from injury, you know, Bieber did have that one year with injury and has never been quite the same pitcher since. If you look at the velocity drop, I don't want to mess with it. Yeah, I hear you. So maybe in theory, it works better than in practice is what we're saying. That Yeah, that's like I said, I, I don't have a problem with running all six if, but I just changing a routine is a danger. Yeah, it, just, it is It is definitely harder to pull off in the middle of May. That's something you have to maybe talk about in spring training yeah. and decide, like, this is how we're going to prepare you to do this. You're right. And, and pitchers are very schedule habitual creatures and how they approach things, you know, side days and, and things like that, when they can lift, when they can't lift. Um, I don't know. I, I think it makes, like I said, I think it makes sense in theory. It won't. Let's be honest. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm saying yeah. I'd like to see it. In theory, I know it's not going to happen, and I think you make a good point in practice. It, it probably doesn't work as good as we'd like it to work, but I, I think in theory, it's an interesting idea because uh, this team needs all the help they can get with pitching, and I just don't think that uh, Bybee and Allen benefit from being back in AAA when these two guys come back. But again, I've been saying also that uh, at some point something's going to happen. They'll send Peyton Battenfield down, down, and somebody else will get hurt or something else will happen. Maybe, Maybe they'll make a trade, Jeff. So, (laughs) you know, people wanted to know about this and I was just sitting around uh, the other day at at work and, uh, you know, I was just thinking about this Mets team uh, that they're going to face this weekend. And when I look at the Mets, you know, Tyler Miguel is out there who's not very good. You know, David Peterson was supposed to be the guy that hasn't worked out for them. Losing Edwin Davis just decimated their bullpen. Um. I mean, in terms of war, uh, Cody Singai at 0.5 is their only starter outside of David Peterson, who they sent down, and Max Scherzer, who both have 0.1s. They have no value, no war value, no wins from their pitchers hardly at all. And their bullpen outside of David, I mean, I'd say David Robinson and Cody Singai and True Smith, it has been ugly. So this is a team with needs. And what I was kind of curious about is, they just called out Mark Venitos, who you know, I've liked him for a while. And then there's Brett Batty, who I've also 
I wasn't as high on him out of high school just because he was he was like turning 20. He was kind of like Trevor Rogers. Like him and Trevor Rogers were like very old high school guys. But Batty's playing well. And uh Vinitos had a home run last night. Uh, if you're curious, Brett Batty, uh let's see, 241 average, 326 on base, 392 slug, 0.4 war, 105 runs created plus. Can you play the outfield? I know he's a natural third base, but they were, they were trying I've always outfield. thought he was a decent athlete. Like I know he's been a natural third base, and I was gonna go look and see in the minors. They tried uh, in the outfield just because didn't they, they try him in like right field? It's like I feel like he could potentially play there. And then the other guy, uh, I would want to and okay, so I buried the lead. Uh William Stearns is losing his 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 mind right now. So here's the thing: when I look at this pitching rotation, uh some people want to ship out Quantrell. I think much like I met a year ago, like there's limited value on Quantrell. Like look what Jordan Montgomery netted who is a better pitcher than Quantrell. Yes, he had less years of control, but he netted Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader is a fine player. He is a... could use that right now, let's be honest. I, I mean, but Harrison Bader also has injury his sh- in, injury issues, and what is he right now? He's hurt. Um, he's also a D-bag. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he's he's he's, he's he's their D-bag. Like, some might view Miles Straw the same way, yeah, uh, you know, as a similar type. But we've seen that that doesn't have a ton of value. Savali, everyone knows he's injury prone. What are you going to get from him? And you don't want to trade the young kids, and that leaves Bieber. And with the young players stepping up, this deadline is kind of your last chance to sell mega high for a team to get two seasons of control two instead of one. Yeah. And that's a big deal. He's still pitched well. And at the end of the day, for as much as we freak out about losses and velocity, he was still a top five pitcher in the American League last year. Yankees fans were terrified about facing him in that deciding game. Uh, they didn't go to him, but like he still is viewed as an ace pitcher. He is still a dynamic pitcher. And if you feel good about your top five and you got Gavin Williams just sitting around the corner ready to go, right? And Joey Cantillo is already on your 40, man. You can afford to make this trade now. You couldn't in the off season because we thought they'd be better. Well, please hanging around for death. Yeah. Even though no well, 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 death, at no. least he's dead. Oh, okay. Look. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> maybe not. Okay. Maybe not. Wow. Uh, so when I was looking through this, uh, and then also with the way Allen and Bybee have pitched, that's that's the primary driver of why I'm okay with considering this deal. Uh, with the Mets, absolutely struggling so terribly. Uh, I, I would love a world side note where I can get them to pick up like 90% of Carlos uh, Carrasco's contract and trade Cookie back to be that depth arm. But uh, that's not going to happen. So on top of Brett Batty, the other guy I want is, is Kevin Parada. We have talked how much about how this team has no catching depth. And the Mets actually have a top 10 prospect who's a catcher, who's their current starting catcher. And if you want Batty and um, and uh, Parada, Parada's multiple years out, but he gives you another option back there. And I think that bat plays even if he moves off the position. And it's a he might be... Prada might be the number one power bat in this system the minute they acquired him uh, on top of being their number two catching prospect right out of the gate. You get both those two for Bieber, but you probably need a, a slight, slight thing to to increase the value here. And that's where I see if Zach Plesak can be that for a team that again has, you know, 0.1 for their number two and number three pitchers. Verlander's at a zero and, and Verlander and Scherzer are both older. Plesak has the advantage where maybe they want to try him in the pen for a bit but he also has multiple years of control and gives them more depth, which they need. 
So it also helps clear your books. You do a two for two. Well, in this case, it's a two for one. So you clear one 40 man spot because Parada doesn't need to be added any, anytime soon. You Batty immediately moves this team. Again, not ideal to have him try to learn the outfield on the fly, but um, you know, try it with the Med Rosario. Why not? Try with the Med Rosario on the fly. You can also have him play a few games at first, third. Um, you want him to play every day and see, you know, he's a young kid, see how he can juggle and play. Like occasionally have him at third with Jose at the H, occasionally have him at first, occasionally have him in right. Um, it, he gives you a yeah. bat you need, a guy who would immediately be by runs created plus their second best hitter. And you get a really interesting catcher with power and you, it hurts your rotation, but then it also cleans your rotation in a weird way. And I mean, I think you and I both agree with just some of the goings on with Bieber, even in a world where you could re-sign him. I don't know if I want to give him the big money he's going to require. So you get a bat to help right away. You get uh, a bat that maybe your two biggest needs in terms of power and position. And that was my idea. I mean, I know there's going to be people thinking that's too little. There's probably going to be people thinking that's too much. I'm sure there's Mets fans who think that's a terrible idea. And then there's Guardian uh, Mets fans who are like, yeah. And it, it all comes down to your view on Bieber. Like, that's what it really comes down heavy on. But uh, my general view is, hey, uh, if you got Benitos, Benitos and Batty are kind of the same dude. I can see it. I don't really have a whole lot of background on those two guys like you do, but uh, I did love Kevin Prada in the draft last year. And I agree. They're going to yeah. trade Bieber this winter anyway, I think. So maybe you do it a little bit earlier. Then you don't have to send people down and you... You know, Gavin Williams all of a sudden maybe could pitch this year, you know, if something happens. Like you're you're lining up to actually give those young kids a role while maybe making your offense better this year and definitely in the future. Yeah, I don't know that this winter if you give Bieber to the Mets that you get. You don't. I don't think so. So And let's be honest, I know Beatty and Vientos are interesting, but uh, to me, Parada is the the big fish in that deal because I'm really interested to see what he can do behind the plate because, you know, catching is weird here, so. Um, yeah, I don't think that happens over the weekend. Okay, we got to talk about the Mets Guardians this weekend and a little bit of mock draft stuff too. Uh, so we'll get into that as we wrap up today's show. Justin is always great putting up our little banner ads here. And right now, I can tell you, Justin is wearing some bird dogs. You don't want to yeah. know what pants he has on. No, I'm kidding. He told me <laughs> after I wore him the last two days, he's wearing them now. And, and this is some be- behind baseball. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to share this, but he said he's probably going to take him on his honeymoon. That's how much he likes these fans. Like when you go on your honeymoon, right. that is your ultimate time for comfort and relaxation. What's Justin taking his bird dogs? Yep. Do we really need to say too much more than that? I've told you I could sleep in these shorts. I could wear these shorts to work on field day oh. next week. I am taking bird dogs to work with me. That is a hundred percent. I can call that and guarantee it. I got to spend a day outside chasing around fifth graders. I'm wearing my bird dogs for sure. Uh, they're great. I'm probably going to buy a pair of bird dog pants because the shorts are so nice. I'm like, if I can get away with wearing these as work pants, that's, that's a huge net win. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter the promo code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. If you're online. looking online, you can see the exact one that uh, they sent us. Uh, I quite enjoyed it as I saw the tumbler. So you want to get that, get your order. I'll be happy to have two tumblers as soon as I order some pants. It is funny names, amazing comfort. Birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And then this weekend, check out SiriusXM for the Guardians and Mets broadcast all weekend long. Tom Hamilton and Jim Rose now have the call. Are they still in Flushing? Is it Queens? I can't remember where they're at. Yeah, it's in it's still in Queens. I, I would yeah. go to 
I never got to old city field when I lived in New York, but I got to city field quite often. Uh, my best, my good buddy, Nick, right? Nick, if you're out there listening, um, or, or David voice, they're both comedians in New York. David's got a YouTube. Uh, we would go to Mets games from time to time. Nice. I didn't, I, I, I made it to old Yankee and new Yankee and I made it to new Shea. I never made it to old Shea, but it's I think old Shea was flushing. I, I think they're in Queens now. Yeah. They're in Queens now. Well, I mean, flushing is in Queens. Oh, okay. I don't know yeah. a whole lot about New York's boroughs. So, good. so, uh, but I, I, so here, here's sacrilege. I think my favorite stadium in my time there was is is New Shea uh, of the of the three I went to. Um, I really liked it. It's, it's a nice stadium, good sight lines, some nice food stops. It's it's a fun place. I, I enjoyed. I met, the Mets became my New York team when I was there. That that was the only acceptable team, anyways. That makes sense. Yes, and that and we didn't realize this until a couple days ago. I learned Jeff. He didn't even know this. Guardians no. and. Mets will be the Sunday night baseball game of the week at seven o'clock. And that is going to feature Shane Bieber and Justin Verlander. A little bit of a, I wanted to say ace off, but uh, they're still, they're both kind of teetering on the edge of being called aces the way they're pitching so far this season, but still a fun matchup. Saturday is at four ten. That is Tanner Bybee and Max Scherz. I'm going in reverse order here. Uh, Friday night, that was Cal Quantrill and old friend Carlos Carrasco would love to win Friday night one nothing just because I have a lot of fondness in my heart for Carlos Carrasco and uh, he's not pitched very well this year, which means he'll probably pitch very well against the Guardians and and it's um, the one game I'll kind of be somewhat happy if they lose. Like I, Cookie's got a special play. I, like, I can't hate win. on him. One nothing win. Yes, I would yeah. be happy with that. Yeah, don't be. In my I want them to win, but if they lose, that's going to be the least upset I've been all year. Is if Carrasco yeah, pitches, I definitely want to be. Win. Definitely want to be Justin Verlander on Sunday at baseball because. Justin Verlander continually pisses me off, even though he's a kind of a marvel. And then I don't know. I always, I've always kind of liked Max Scherzer, but Tanner Bay versus Max Scherzer should be a point of viewing on Saturday if you get a chance to go. Um, my question to you though, Jeff, is how many times are they going to bring up the Francisco Lindor trade on Sunday Night Baseball? I'm going to go set the over under at three or two. See, I was thinking two and a half. Two and a half. I was thinking two and a half was my what I was going to set it at. Um, uh, no, let me, let's and I would say three and a half. Because especially because like Ahmed and Andres are not doing great. Um, and then, Lindor, uh, you know, I'll be, stinks. no, Lindor is not doing great. And he's got the big contract. And I'm also curious if those Jason Kipnis comments will come up. I was going to ask you that, too. Do you think they'll bring up the Jason Kipnis? And he and to, to Kipnis's credit, I, I think he said what he meant. I think he meant what he said, mm-hmm. but I think he don't doesn't like how he how it came off, how he said it. I think he meant to say it in a different way but he has really backtracked over those comments on Twitter. last. Yeah. I think he just meant to say that like, he's not a leader. Like, you know, I don't think he meant it as a negative thing, but I think he's just like, yeah, he's not a leader. Like there are guys who are leaders in the clubhouse. Yeah. And so on Twitter was like, what do you mean? He's not a leader runs out every ball hard every time. Like running the ball leadership first. Yeah. That's not leadership. That is the bare minimum of being a professional baseball player that makes over $30 million a year. My God, if you think that's a leader, that's your problem right there. That's not a leader. If now maybe he does other stuff that is leadership. I don't know. But if that's your, like, bar for being a leader Woo, no wonder that and, and can i also say um i'm not gonna call anyone out call anyone me. who tries to say that lindor was the face of this franchise or was the centerpiece of this franchise um doesn't know baseball because jose ramirez was the better player for the last two years they were together like jose was better than than francisco lindor and he like, took he a oh so jose was an mvp candidate their last two to three years together top so, three top three yeah and Frankie never was. Francisco never was. Uh, but he, don't get me wrong. He's a, a dang good player. But yeah. yes. Yeah. And as much as it would be great to have Lindor here, um, 
I mean, look, I don't think Green and Wolf will pan out at all. I really don't see those guys being major leaders. No. Uh, Ahmed's been fine for much as we gripe about him. He's been fine. We got and Andre, yeah, and Andre's. I think Andre's will rebound from this nightmare. Um, I would. I mean, when you when you factor in the money, I will take those two over Lindor. Yes, and paying on them every day. The next, yeah, I will. I know it's some people aren't going to agree with that, and it's nice to have Lindor, but I'll take those two guys. Because if money. you have Lindor, you don't have Jose. So it's like, do you want right. Jose plus those Jose. two, or do you want Lindor? And then it's not even a debate. All right. Well, before we get out of here real quick, want to talk about a quick a couple mock drafts. One of them had um, Charlie, Soto Charlie Soto and Kevin right McGonagall was the other yeah. one. No, so well, I just want- the first one had first one had Charlie Soto, and then it had uh, Josh, Dave, Josh Rivera. Rivera. From, from Florida. The other one just had Kevin McGonagall, 23. They only did one round. Okay, so here's my my... I think I, I love Carlos, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo to death. One is a baseball America. One is at MLB.com. I think they're all fantastic as a job. They're all great people. I follow them. I've had amazing. I've not had one negative interaction with any of those three people. Agreed. I also think that that is outdated views. Um, here's the thing. Uh, teams are not liking to draft high school pitchers. Prep pitchers Guardians are falling into banned from taking high school pitchers right now. Well, and they should be, but teams in general are not taking them. They are sliding on boards. I can go back to 2020 when everyone mocked Jared Kelly to Cleveland over Carson Tucker. Uh, well, and again, well, Carson Tucker hasn't worked out, that nets you PD Halpin. So we can't complain that much. Well, it's a trade down. Work out then. Uh, but I don't think Jared Kelly is necessarily going to turn anything. I haven't looked at him this year, but it hasn't been great leading up to this year. Uh, but people were looking for a landing spot. And like Cleveland, hey, they've drafted pitchers recently. And a lot of people are sticking with this whole idea about Cleveland and age-related models. But Cleveland hasn't leaned into those age-related models as heavily as they used to. Charlie Soto is very young. He's he's the toolkit. He is a Bud Grant type of pick. But you know what? Bud Grant isn't the draft director, scouting you know guy anymore. They have a different person at the top. And different people drastically change things. Like the White Sox started drafting prep guys when they had their recent change. And they went from Nick Hostetler to, um, I can't think who's the guy there now. Um, but Cleveland hasn't really gone heavy on preps in general the past few years because there's so much more data and it's people last year disagreed with me and i'm like no they're gonna go college there's more data on that uh they also don't go for guys who are kind of popping up like the one thing to look at it's like chase the lotter was higher before the season began his value dipped as the season went on daniel espino value dipped as the season went on ethan hankins value dipped as the season went on they tend to have a board that is more based on fall than spring uh, they're going to find someone that they believe in and, you know, think that he can be the player for them. And McGonagall is, again, uh, the one thing I'll say, though, is they don't typically lean into the older guys. McGonagall might be a draft eligible sophomore in a few years. He's he's a guy who is not necessarily old, but like when you're talking about someone who could be a draft eligible, uh, it's also because they move the draft. But I don't think they're going prep. And for the same reason I said a year ago that they like their models. They're not spending as much time scouting in person. We heard about them, you know, letting go a bunch of scouts two years ago and their models are going to look at, and it's the same reason, uh, Nolan, uh, Schwandel, I'm blanking on how to say his name. Chanel. Uh, listen, he was not good on the Cape and he's not facing any competition. That's, that's a New York. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that's, that's not a new, uh, that's a New York Yankees guy. That's not a Cleveland guardians pick. So, I mean, Colton Ledbetter isn't in either of these mocks, I don't think, in the top 30. I, I would watch him to Cleveland. Um, they're going to appreciate a guy who steps right into the SEC and performs. 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't think Matt Shaw is going to make it anymore. Uh, there was a point in time where weirdly he looked like he was sliding. He is their perfect guy. Uh, I've, I've seen some things with uh, Hurston Wal- Waldrip uh, from Florida. Who, yeah, his ERA is at five. But you, again, Florida is terrible at pitcher development. Jack Leftwich just crapped on his own program to a degree, saying that they are um, extremely rigid and don't let guys do their own thing. So you got a guy with electric stuff, a plus slider. I think he's got top 10 ability. If he, they had him going to New York or Atlanta and the MLB one, if he is there, he's not getting past Cleveland. He is the perfect type of guy that they will fix up and turn into a, an ACE type. Um, and then I'll have to really dig into some, uh, some Cape stats. If Tommy Troy is around, he's someone to watch. Uh, I think he would be the, the other guy. Uh, but I, I don't think either of those picks make a lot of sense, but I'll be honest as someone who's written a lot of mocks and used to having his contract, right? Mocks. Sometimes you're just looking for landing spaces that make sense because you don't want to get to this point where a guy slides too far. But at the same time, I'll say it's totally the wrong approach because you know what happens every year in the draft? Somebody slides too far. Cam Collier, he's not getting out of the top 10, pick 19. Uh, And there's even other ones greater than that. And there's always going to be a few guys who don't sign. So they'll slide even further. Um, But yeah, we'll have some more draft content because I'm I'm gearing up for it. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think that's it for the show. Uh, remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. I saw uh, Moving Target says he watches the show twice a day. Uh, he he does it once a night, and then later on when he's a little more awake. So thank you to one of our everydayers there. Um, you know, I just want to thank everyone who's uh, taking part, downloading, in spite of the frustrations, and being a part of the Lockdown Guardians team. Thank you for doing that. And this one's already gone long, so just let's go, go Guardians, go.